Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we award Deadpool, reunite with Snyder and Capullo at DC, find out what's going on from Seven to Eternity, and look forward to this coming year. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hekia Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! We've we've been gone for a couple weeks over the holiday season. We hope that uh, that that you all had a good holiday, whatever holiday it is that you recognize and celebrate. Uh, that your your stockings were full of 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 many many great graphic novels. That wrapped underneath your menorahs, you found lots of Funko Pops. That's where people people who celebrate Hanukkah put the presents, right? Under the menorah? Yes, yes. It's a, yeah, as, um, as an honorary Jew. Oh, boy. That <laughs> we, is... should probably, we should probably... Uh... Hey, 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 hey. My fiance is Jewish. There we go. All right, we're good. We're good. That and is her family said that I'm an honorary Jew. Ooh, can you get that like uh, notarized? We need that. We need that statement. Uh, to probably look official. not. But I bet even if I did, I would probably upset someone. Oh, I don't if care I did about offend that. anyone. I apologize. Who cares? Uh, but I mean... all in good fun. Um, no, it was a it was a pretty pretty nice holiday season. I did a lot of back and forth and you of course traveled quite a ways oh boy um all across this great land of ours but um yeah anything notable stick out to you during your winter break oh you know um i mean oh boy that's such a broad question in what sense in what sense are you asking did anything stick out to me I got nothing. I don't know. Something just uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you think the last couple of weeks. <sighs> the last couple of weeks. I mean, honestly, and I don't. I don't want to be like a broken record for our conversations here, but the people here don't know about this. I'm finally gonna build that PC that I I set out to build six years ago, and uh, that that came to a, a grinding halt. Uh, actually almost seven years ago now, I guess I, I bought the first pieces in 2010, uh, that came to a grinding halt. And then uh, yesterday I, I laid down the, the fat cash on all the components for a, a brand new one, brand spanking new. Thanks to, uh, thanks to my work bonus this year. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to putting that sucker together over the next week, whenever the parts arrive on varying days it's so frustrating because like i get the case tomorrow the case is the first thing that's arriving mm -hmm. and but i'm not getting like the cpu until monday and then like everything else is kind of showing up in between then so it's i don't know like the power supply which is like the first thing you have to put in like i can't even put in like the power supply the power supply is either coming in on monday or tuesday so i can't even like start to have a little fun with it it's just gonna torture me for like a week but uh, but Nick, what about you? What what sticks out over your holiday break? Uh, 
I mean, I didn't really get a break. I, I had a I had a two long weekends, one for the Christmas weekend and one for New Year's weekend. Um, and um, I mean, obviously, it's for me, it's not about the gifts. It's oh, about the, the time with family and friends, uh, eating good food and just feeling like you're a part of something bigger. Shut up, David. Uh, <laughs> you can't even make a fart sound. Okay. Um, All right, that's this is the challenge we're going with me making fart sounds. Keep talking. Okay, um, you know, but um, that's not a good one. We're, we're going armpit. We're going armpit. You can't, you can't even do it. That's right. This is good comic book radio. I'm doing armpit farts. Man, this show has gone downhill. Oh gosh, this is this is welcome, not a good start to the new welcome year. Welcome to the last episode of the Heck Yeah Comics podcast, everybody. <laughs> In which um, all listeners jump ship. No, but I mean, honestly, I, I had, I did have some good time with family, but um, I got, I, I got um, spoiled with, with not that I didn't have enough video games to play with already, um, but I mean, between my fiance and and her sister and her boyfriend, like I just got inundated with some great new games from the last year, like Uncharted Four, Dishonored Two. Uh, Life is Strange, which may have come out in 2015, but it may have been 2016. But anyway, um, so I, I have plenty of that to look forward to. And of course, as always, new socks. And uh, you <laughs> might, if you're of the younger sort listening to the show, uh, make sure that you got your parents' permission before listening, first off. Um, but also, uh, you can never have too many socks as you get older. It's it's bizarrely true, it's yeah. one of those. It's, it really is like a, a life trope where you think that uh, you, you'll hear people kind of our age talk about how it suddenly starts getting exciting to get clothing. Yeah, uh, and you'll think like as a kid, you're like, well, that just means you're getting lame. Well, you're gonna get lame as well uh, <laughs> when when someone's like, hey, here's like a here's here's like a, a couple of a shirts for you, and if they're like my size, I'm I'm like, this is the best, right? oh, man. Because you think, I mean, maybe if you're rich, it's a different story. But when you're kind of like a paycheck to paycheck person and you're like, well, I could buy new clothes or I'll keep wearing these old. Oh, thank you, listeners. Um, excuse me. Um, or, you know, like you look at your closet and it's like, oh, I can keep wearing these old clothes. I mean, like they don't have that many holes in them yet. But there's like, also I, I can get away with it. There's also that aspect that I hate shopping. So maybe it's just the thrill that someone else did it for me. It's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't have to go buy these socks. You did it for me. Thank well, you. Not, not that like I, we and we might just because we have been living together for uh, a few years now um, where we're not we we don't think we're going to do like a wedding registry. But on a smaller scale, like Christmas, it's kind of like okay. I you just, know you, you might hmm. you're making it sound like you and I uh, uh, yeah. living together and we're getting married. For David, David, and I've been for our for, for our now, wedding people, that's coming up. For our uh, wedding that's coming up, yes. Uh, I'm not going to correct myself. I'm just going to let it keep going. Okay, so David cool. and I aren't thinking of doing a registry. Nope. Um, uh, just because also... we, we basically have all the stuff, you know what I mean? But that's not my point. My point is Nick, getting back to like Christmas. Nick is also going to keep his own last name because he's a modern woman. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, between our two last names, I think mine is the more interesting of the two. Nah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just it, when you get those things like, wow, I didn't even know I needed this, but like this strainer is going to come not like a, like a normal strainer. Everyone should have a strainer. You know what I mean? Or like you get a crock pot and you're like, wow, like it's just, 
this conversation is done. We definitely lost steam on that comic book. Wow, comic you lost out. steam hardcore on that. Yeah, yeah, comic. I was just, uh, yeah, comic books did come out, but uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, uh, we're going to talk about some news. Our top story today. After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Now, lots of news happened while we were on our little winter sabbatical. Uh, but we don't have to dig that far back to get some real good stuff. And this one is hot off the presses. Guys, you're hearing it here. Deadpool won a Writers Guild. Wait, what does the WGA stand for? I'm actually not sure. Writers uh, Guild Association. Is it Writers Guild Association? Anyway, the WGA Award for Best Screenplay Adapted from Another Medium. Uh, other Writers Guild of America. Writers Guild of America. So other other. So just to say, like maybe you're thinking, like, oh, there was some some real real crap crap movies in that uh, in that selection. Here's here's what it was up against. It was like, up against Arrival. Probably one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. Uh, it was also up against Fences, don't know that one, and Nocturnal Animals, which is supposed to be pretty good, and also Hidden Figures, which is making some waves. Uh, so, so yeah, Deadpool won a writing award. Nick, do you think the script warranted that? Having not read the script, it could be something because I don't necessarily know when it comes to a script winning an award. Like it's, it's really could just be come down to the execution of the script itself, not necessarily the story or anything thereof. So apparently, the people there just decided that compared to, I mean, Fences is that Denzel Washington and Viola Davis movie, mm, right? Um, Hidden uh, figures. Arrival, I haven't there. seen it, but it's the Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Mm -hmm. um, Hidden you know, figures, really the, the women those. at NASA, nocturnal animals is about. I think Amy Adams is also in that one. As Nick Google's um, nocturnal animals. As the nocturnal animal, it what? is in fact yes, Amy Adams and, uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal and Aaron Taylor Johnson and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, not have not seen that either, um, but. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, really, we'd have to read the scripts to know for sure. But well, well, you know, but, but, all but, the power to Deadpool. Hold on, here's what we have to, like. They're not, they're not giving it. I mean, they're giving it to the script, but they're not like going around and like. I don't think they're giving out the award based on them having read the script. It's based still on the movie. Are you sure that does that specifically with their work? Because if it says it won best script or screenplay or whatever, well, okay, I mean. I don't know. Like, I think like movies that win best screenplay for like the Academy Awards don't necessarily like. Not everybody in the Academy is reading those, uh, those those awards, or reading those awards, reading those screenplays. Wait a second! It didn't win the award. It just got yeah. nominated. Well, then why did I read something that was really misleading? I don't know why in the world. You're right, Nick. We have to cancel Christmas because I messed that one up. Uh, <laughs> I'm like. I'm like, wow, Deadpool. Uh, I mean, I'm. Sh I was oh, literally shocked. Oh, I was. I was too. Says, Man, I'm a real big dum dum on this one. <laughs> that one falls squarely on me. Uh, so redacted. Redacted. Uh, I think Arrival is probably going to win retracted. that one. I'm going to say Arrival is probably got a good chance on that. Uh, also, it's probably going to be Fences. Really, you think so? 
Yeah, wait a second. So it says, oh, I guess it didn't include Deadpool again on the on the list. No, best no, no. That's a best original Between screenplay. All of those... No, no, Nick, Nick, Nick. Scroll down a little bit further to best screenplay adapted from another medium, and you will see Deadpool is there. Oh, I did not realize Arrival was based off of something. Yep, based on a um, short story. Or based gotcha, on story. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Between all of those, I mean, Arrival's a sci-fi film. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm going with Between Fences and uh, I'm not sure what Hidden Figures is about. Well, Actually, have I'm you, not sure what those last have three you, are have about, you but seen, I'm going with Fences. Have you seen Arrival? No, I'm not saying it's not good. I just that it's a sci-fi film. Well, yeah, but it's 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 so much more than that. I think one I'm thing sure that I think the one thing that makes Arrival so great and so popular is that it's a smart film that's easy to get. Um, you know, like I think a lot of people can view it, and it's not going to go over their heads. I mean, they're, they're pretty clear in what's going on. Uh, and it's one of those movies that you're going to benefit a lot from a second viewing to kind of catch some extra stuff. Uh, but I, I really do think that people are, are enjoy it a lot because of like the fact that it, it makes you feel smart while watching it because you, you're getting what's going on, but everything feels very intelligent, uh, I think, mm -hmm. in, a, in a very good way so we're just going to move right past this news story that i totally misread and effed up uh and nick why don't you tell us what else is going on yeah no worries david we all forgive you some of us more than others um jeff johns is writing comics again or he is in secret not in secret because he announced it but behind the scenes he is working on his next comic production and it may be watchman related um Frankly, if you've been following DC's Rebirth, you know, since the start, no surprises there. Jeff John sort of teed it all up with the Rebirth special. And at this point, obviously other writers have been sort of getting all the little things into place as far as these different Watchmen characters that are kind of, you know, integrating themselves into the DCU. But I wouldn't expect anyone other than Jeff Johns, who obviously has dialed back his writing to next to nothing, mm -hmm. you know, since Rebirth. Because of his well, other yeah, uh, DC he, duties, he was he was pulled on to the the DC cinematic universe, or I think it's DC EU is what this one's called. The DC, DC EU, but I think at the same, I think he still holds his normal job as far as being the, the middleman between mm -hmm. all the different DC divisions. Mm -hmm. um, on top of having a, a, a it appears to be a a bigger focus, of course, on making sure the movies all go well. Yeah, so he's he's a real busy guy. I, th I I'm not surprised with his return to comics. I think it just kind of took some time of settling into the role. Uh I don't I don't think we're going to see him on like four books at a time. Uh but I you know, I think we'll at least get one series out of him and uh for those who missed the tweet that came out I said and I'm writing comics again. Stay tuned. Happy New Year. And with a picture of Dr. Manhattan's uh brow and forehead region uh, i think you know people were very curious when rebirth was launched uh there seemed to be these big connections to the watchman universe that they they kind of sowed the seeds a little bit and have now i don't want to say like stepped away from but it's not like a really as much of a focus as it, as it feels like i know mr oz i want to call him dr oz um, which I wish it was Dr. Oz popping up in these books. Like, how is that making you feel? Uh, 
but like Mr. Oz or whatever kind of popping up here and there. And I think uh, they've waited the right amount of time to now kind of come back at it and be like, okay, now you get what this world is. Characters are established. Mm-hmm. Let's let's now explore uh, the fact that Dr. Manhattan is the god of this world. Dun, dun, dun. That's 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 what it feels like they're going with, right? He created this world. I don't. He didn't create it. He interfered. I mean, he's 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 obviously a, on like a god tier level as far as his powers. But um, I think it's more that instead of they kind of went back and sort of played with what um, um, playing with. So, I mean, obviously, when when it went from Flashpoint to the New 52, the whole thing was that, oh, there's all these divergent realities and Pandora needs Flash to pull them all together and unify them. And that's what New 52 was. Of course, New 52 was initially was initially sales successful, but critically kind of went downhill fast. And Rebirth has obviously been uh, DC's sort of recovery story. Uh, or I guess rebirth story, um, uh, but they sort of backtracked and said that ultimately it what had apparently had nothing to do with Pandora using the Flash to sort of merge everything together, but actually that that Doctor Manhattan, Doctor Doctor Manhattan, oh man, Doctor Manhattan, Doctor Manhattan, had interfered with the main DC universe that we've always known and loved. Um, stealing 10 years from these characters, which caused sort of a reverb, um, a ripple effect through the past, which allows for different um, um, character histories to be changed. Like now Batman's origin is different again, Superman, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. So, so it's the, so Dr. Manhattan is not the God of the universe, but he's certainly up there meddling with what whoever the God of that universe has created uh, and how that ties into the greater Watchmen narrative and how they'll, you know, what what I'm more interested in is like, okay, these characters are being integrated in some shape or form into the DC universe. Are they a humming from the actual Watchmen series, the book from, from, are they, are they the original characters? Are they just an alternate version of those characters? Are they the DC version of those characters? Mm. Like, are they not part of the original graphic novel at all? Original technically miniseries at all, but are they actually, grown from this universe and just you know rose up in secret mm -hmm. but you know you know and dr manhattan was some guy in the 60s or 80s or whatever when he was coming up um and then when he obtained powers wiped everyone's memory of him or something like that yeah yeah and then went on being manhattan-y yeah i just know there was a popular theory when this reveal came about that uh, this this universe was the one that was created by Doctor Manhattan when he went to the moon, and or the, I mean, not the moon, Mars, and was like, I'm gonna go create people in my own little pocket dimension because I'm essentially God, because uh, mm. that's how Doctor Manhattan talks in my head a little bit like a a yokel. Um, <laughs> it really changes the dynamics of the book in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, so, yeah, we, we will see what comes out of of Jeff Johns. There's my famous catchphrase of "We will see when things happen in the future." Uh, <laughs> speaking of things, we will see coming out of DC Comics. Something I'm very excited for uh, is that Scott Snyder. I must call him Greg Snyder. Uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are reuniting in 2017 for a DC event that is going to be celebratory, huge, and crazy. 
the full details, including the name, are still not known. Uh, but Snyder uh, said in an interview that Greg calls it our Batman heavy metal rock opera. It's going wow. to be- it's a be, lot of words. Yep. It's going to be a big epic Batman story with flaming armor and over the top capstone to a lot of the stuff that we've done with him. It's all mapped out. Uh, I've just been out uh, to Burbank with Jeff Johns going over it and going over what he's doing. Uh, yada, yada. Uh, Jeff was incredibly generous and helpful with it. And the writer says the name of the event has been decided, but it has not yet uh, been revealed. It's my favorite name, but I can't say it yet, said Snyder. Dan DiDio would murder me. Uh, so yeah, we are getting another Batman story from the, the famous duo that, that team that is becoming much like, uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, much like peanut butter and jelly, uh, just, just good things that go together. The only creative combo that you could think of. Peanut butter and jelly. Yep. Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, yeah, Rick Remender think, and Jerome Pena. I could think of others. I just didn't want to sit here for 10 minutes. That's fair. Anywho. Um, so so it's a it's a Batman-centric event, but it, it or it's Batman-focused, but it's actually a DC event, I guess. It's not. It's, it's Apparently it's going to be born of the Batman world, but it's going to be expanded to the general DCU, I think is what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And here's one thing I'm excited about. He also said the event will veer away from the common trope of superheroes fighting superheroes. Thank God. And we use current continuity to open up, uh, open up the doors for future stories, a la crisis on infinite earths. So it seems like whatever they're gearing up to do, they're gearing up for it to be big. Well, very cool. Uh, now, are there any character? I mean, we got to see a little bit of the Justice League uh, under Greg Capullo's skillful hand. Are there any others that you would like to see in his style that we haven't yet? And why, any other characters and, in Greg Capullo's style? And why is it Booster Gold? And why is my choice Booster Gold? Yes. Um, I, I don't know, David. It just came upon me all of a sudden. Um I mean, on one hand, like from the Endgame arc, we saw him draw the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it, weird to say that Endgame came out quite a while ago, so I'm sure he's improved obviously tenfold in his skills even since then. He was he was already good then. Um, this would be cool to see him draw, depending on the exact scale of this event. You know, to see him draw some of the more B and C list characters, like maybe some people on the more supernatural side of things. Um, some of the um, Maybe like the Suicide Squad, um, you know, just just characters that aren't part of the main Justice League because we've seen Ooh. that, so we we have an idea of what to expect. You know, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, he does draw some pretty great monsters, so a Killer Croc by him would be pretty rad. Have we not seen him draw Killer Croc? Not even like a on a um on a um like a a cover or anything. As far as I know, excuses everybody, while Nick and I both simultaneously Google Greg Capullo, Killer Croc, and see what comes up. Uh, to my knowledge, Killer Croc, I know Killer Croc came up in, um, you know what, I'm totally wrong. We have seen him. Uh, he was not, yeah, he was just kind of featured in in the background in a couple of, a couple of pages. Uh, I can't remember what this one is from. Uh, but you've got like Clayface, 
Killer Croc, Penguin. Oh, this was from this was from the Endgame arc. I think when they're all fighting. Okay, he he was yeah. one of the villains that he teamed up with one of the villains. With Batman. Well, okay, cool. He looked really cool. Then, then you know what? I'm not sure who I want to see aside from Booster Goal. <laughs> Booster Goal would be cool. Mm-hmm. I know. I would doth agree. Yeah. Um. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, like we don't have a whole lot to go on. So I'll definitely be excited for when the event is announced and how it fits into the grand scheme of things. And goods for them. Uh, last but not least, certainly, is the announcement. And this is actually, now to be fair, this was the official announcement, but it's been publicly known for a while. Um, for those that haven't heard, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, is leaving Guardians of the Galaxy over the next few months. Uh, he's been with the book since around, since I want to say just before the first movie came out. So he's basically leaving just before the second one comes out to tee up the next creative team. Um, uh, who is known at this time, I believe, yes? Uh, I do not believe it's been or announced. It hasn't been announced, but they, they know who's taking it over, which isn't surprising. Yeah, of um, I'll be interested to see who takes over. I'll be honest with Bendis on Guardians. Um, I never, I had a hard time getting into it. I think, you know, for those that enjoy Bendis's Bendisism, Bendisms, um, you know, then it's probably your bag. I found like I would like check in on an arc and like with an issue or two be like, oh, nope come back like because i i love i love the guardians characters i you know hot off of the you know the annihilation books and all that you know it's a it's a team that you know i'm very fond of but i just couldn't get into bennis's interpretation of them and the way that he was structuring his stories and so i i um i tagged out or tapped out yeah um yeah it's unfortunate there's a couple of big writers that have just those those traits you know that kind of rub some people the wrong way like for Bendis, it's you know Bendis. Uh, it's the fact that everybody, everything everybody says has to be repeated, and there's going to be 25 little word balloons in every single panel. Uh, for Scott Snyder, it's that everybody's going to be going on big long speeches. For Grant Morrison, yeah. it's the fact that you need to take LSD to uh, to understand <laughs> what happened in the last issue of most of his comics. Yeah, it's. You know, and and I, I I've said this repeatedly on the show. And I feel like any time I criticize Bendis's work, I always have to also mention that like he just seems like an incredibly cool person. Mm-hmm. So um, certainly, I I never want to att- uh, come off attacking Bendis personally. Um, but yeah, just his his work has been hit or miss. I haven't been thrilled with like I've been reading Infamous Iron Man, and I don't know if I've just grown out of his style, so to speak. Um, but I mean, I, I'm as, you know, I'm happy for Bendis, you know, that, that he got to have a long and seemingly successful run. Uh, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, think about this. He's done Avengers. He's done X-Men mm-hmm. and now he's done Guardians of the Galaxy. Now granted Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the more up and coming Marvel properties, mm-hmm. but you know, I half expect that he'll probably be tackling whatever, def- um, street level Marvel Defenders book comes out of when the TV show yeah, uh, hits Netflix. Well, I'm just, um, I'm just really excited to find out which superhero Kitty Pride will be dating next. <laughs> next, it'll be Daredevil. Um, oh God, yeah, it will be. <laughs> um, but with um, you know, what else does he have left to tackle at Marvel? I mean, I mean, he's tackled some of the street level characters, like he's written Luke Cage before, Jessica Jones. He obviously created. He had a successful run on Daredevil. 
Um, he hasn't really done anything with Iron Fist, um, who's got a couple ongoing series or or series coming out over the next year. So I don't see him tackling him solo. Um, but besides like a team up with the street level characters, he like he has the Inhumans now. Uh, I guess he could do that. Well, he's done the Ultimate Fantastic Four at least an initial arc. So I could see I could see Marvel tapping him to be the guy that brings the original Fantastic Four back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. I could just see it. In fact, it is most likely going to happen. Uh, I won't make bets because my fiance says I'm not allowed to make bets anymore. Um, <laughs> but if I could, I would say you heard it here first. Bendis will totally relaunch Fantastic Four probably sometime in 2017. All right. Well, look out for that. Or I think uh, he, he might create an all-new character called the Quipper, uh, in which all of his lines are little quips, and that's how he defeats his enemies is by quipping them. Uh, he will probably be uh, an inhuman or an inmutant. I think they're going to they're gonna breed those two over at some point. Inmutant. In inmutant. We're just going to go balls deep on that and see what happens. Uh, but that is the news for this week. There's, of course, lots of other stuff that happened, and you can find about, out about it all across the Internet. Uh, we don't have a news aggregating website. Uh, we would love to if we made money off of this. I don't know where I'm going on in this rant, so we're just going to go ahead and slide headfirst into reviews. To the Batmobile. Let's go. I almost forgot about that little extra tagline there at the end and was going to keep talking. Nick, what do you have to review for us this week? Well, uh, I'm checking in with Seven to Eternity, number four, by Rick Remender, Jerome Opeña, Matt Hollingsworth, and Russ Wooton, which is probably a very fun name to say. Uh, it is a fun name to say because I just said it and I think it's fun. Um, so I'm checking in, obviously, four issues into the book. Uh, it's the latest um, a creator-owned comic series from Remender and the first time he's teamed up with Jerome Opeña. Uh, and it uh, feels like a few years now, but I could be wrong about my days. I guess since Rage of Ultron, back when uh, Age of Ultron came out in theaters. Um, anyway, uh, we are basically following disgraced knight Adam Ositis, or Ositis, um, who is riding with the last free Mosak knights to deliver the Mud King, also known as the God of Whispers, to a mm. faraway land where an ancient wizard might sever his ties to the people of Zal, so that he may be executed for his crimes without risking the lives of almost every soul in the land. So just to elaborate a little bit more, over the course of the last four issues, um, you know, you learn about the central conflict, which is this guy called the God of Whispers, or the Mud King, um, who... And he doesn't fight like physical battles, but he has the ability more or less to to look into your deepest desire and your greatest wish. And then he makes a deal with you. And in return, he gets to see through your eyes and hear through your ears uh, and basically uses that to spread dissent and, and all other kinds of mayhem and just basically lets people destroy themselves. Uh, and he's basically infested the whole world and just about everyone except a, a remaining few uh, have fallen sway. To his compromises and the the downside of that is that they the people that have remained uh if they could get their hands on him they can't kill him because if he dies then everyone who's ever made a deal with him dies mm. um and as a reminder of the, the the main character adam uh he's he's died i should say not only is he from a disgraced family but he's also dying um 
And the in the first issue, again, I won't go into deeper details, he sets off to meet with the Mud King. Um, and you don't really know if he's going there to potentially kill him or, or attempt to kill him or to actually hear his offer and make a deal with him. Um, he doesn't get a chance to. Shit hits the fan. And that's where we end up with issue number four. Um, overall, this fork, this fork, this fork arc, this first arc uh, has been really good. I, even though when, when I read the first issue, I was like, I mean, I'm like, okay, I really like this, but just, I don't know if it just wasn't paced the way that I was, I was hoping it would be, or what's my, to my usual taste. Um, but I wasn't like, like, just like bang, like, like all in, but over issues two to four, I'm all in. I'm really, really curious where this book is going to go. Uh, this book has produced Opeña's best line work yet. And just the overall execution of the art team is phenomenal phenomenal uh, i'm gonna i'm going to speak in hyperbole because i'm a terrible reviewer mm-hmm. um you know th- clearly this is a world that they've given a great deal of thought uh and it's just like issued like sometimes you'll have questions and like why didn't they reveal that in that issue and the next issue maybe that thing or maybe something else like you just see that they clearly have this all figured out but they're just slowly peeling back the greater world and the greater mythology as the story goes along and of course, like all great Remenda yarns, the world and its inhabitants are super depressing and almost assuredly screwed. Um, but you know, it's uh, the book has done its job. I'm hooked. Um, so I mean, it's only the first four issues are out. You have a couple months. I believe the next issue comes out in April. Um, uh, there's going to be a, a couple months, two three months break. So do it upon do yourself a favor and check in on the first four issues. Uh, not necessarily my recommendation for the week, but uh, I recommend it all the same. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Rick Remender's work. Uh, well, my review or book I'm going to talk about this week is Teen Titans number three. It's a book that I keep kind of checking in with month to month and so far talking about here on the show. Uh, there was a lot of other great stuff that came out this week. Uh, or it came out in the last couple weeks. You know, we had a new uh, issue of Saga that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, there was the end of the second volume of Autumn Lands came out. Uh, there's been kind of some consistently good stuff coming out of like Batman and Superman over there. But uh, I, you know, I want to talk about Teen Titans because I kind of set out to do that at the beginning and, and see how this, uh, how this book would rub me as a, as a Damien um, fan and anyway, I'll just kind of get into it. Where we are in this uh, issue, in the last, the, the the overall story is that Damien has put together this new team of. Well, I don't think they've necessarily called themselves the Teen Titans yet, uh, but that's it's made up of mostly Teen Titans, uh, and they have been marked by the Demon's Fist, which is this group of assassins. Some a number of them with superpowers from uh from the league of assassins uh that have set out to to kill this group uh as as sort of you know their their kind of hunt their their big mission um and in last issue they they came and and fought one another things did not go well so both teams kind of retreated or were forced to retreat i should say uh and Damien and his team in this issue, they've they've escaped, and uh, now they are kind of regrouping. Uh, additionally, we also learned that Mara, who is the leader of the Demon's Fist, 
is Damien's cousin. Uh, and that kind of sparks her hatred of him. Uh, this, is, this issue is a... Hmm? It just, it, he has, has a cousin. Yeah, I, I kind of like that they are... They're, they're expanding the family a bit. Uh, anyway, we're breaking from the story already uh, for some character moments and some team building. And there's some really, really nice scenes here. Like, there's this kind of this part where everybody shares their baggage uh and it, it it's kind of also a handy exposition moment of like just so you know here's also kind of like the dark side of this character mm -hmm. um and there's some some nice banter banter in it but there's also some incredibly cheesy moments uh and they can feel really exposition heavy also going back to when everyone uh decides to tell what their baggage is uh, I think like Beast Boys is kind of like, oh, my family died and I've had some friends that some things have happened. I, you know, I'm partying and living this lifestyle to try and forget about the past. And then other people are like, when my father, whose name is this, did this very specific thing, it felt bad. Uh, so some parts of it work, some parts of it don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, you know, as a Damien fan, I have to speak here and it feels weird to say. Uh, it's actually a bit too Damien heavy. I get that he's maybe the most popular character in the book. He's a bat character. So, you know, the bat family tends to help drive up sales. So I get why they're kind of slapping him heavily on things. And hopefully that'll go down in, in future arcs. But I kind of would like a little more time with the other characters especially as someone who's not super familiar with them outside of say the teen Titans cartoon and the writing on him still feels wrong. Unfortunately, he's still quote learning what it takes to be good unquote. Uh, he has like a line like none of the other heroes would help them at this time because they don't take any of them seriously. Uh, it's like none of these things feel like the Damien that's being written in other books right now. Uh, I, I would understand if, if Damien, you know, if Damien was not wanting to uh, call up people because he, you know, he wants to prove his own way or, you know, other stuff like that feels more Damien than like, none of them would believe us what's going on. None of them would respect us enough to help us like that. That's such crap. Uh, and it feels weird that the other people are just like, yeah, okay, I'll go, I'll go along with that. Um, mm -hmm. I've been pleasantly surprised overall with how the book's been laid out in the first couple of issues. You know, I, I really appreciate a book that sets stuff up, uh, and then makes a hard left. Uh, like I, I thought, you know, like last issue, they seemed like, all right, now we're going to train, we're going to become a better team and then we're going to have our fight. But as soon as we get to our base, like here comes the enemy attacking us. Uh, you know, it's it was sort of on this trajectory that I was expecting, and then it wasn't, and I enjoyed that. And just to kind of have this this like this very sudden stop felt a little bit premature. I like some of what they were doing here, but I think they could have done it a little bit better. They didn't need to stop everything in order to handle these moments. Um, it it could have it could have been done a little bit uh, better, as I've already said. Um, and sort of just thinking that like a, a, another book, I remember there, I was, I, I had it, I had it in my mind. I think I laid it out to you. Here's exactly what I want this book to be, uh, was Talon. 
And for the first like eight issues, I think I said, you know, I would love it if this book was Calvin Rose, uh, who's recruited by like an older guy who has a, um, a vendetta against the court of owls. And the two of them are kind of working to dismantle their system. And that's exactly what the book was for a few mm -hmm. issues. And then that also took like a hard turn with that, that I really enjoyed. And then that book became sad to me. Um, <laughs> Just kind of petered and died. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hoping uh, what, is, what, what I'm not hoping happens here. I want teen Titans fans to be happy. Uh, but from what I've read from Teen Titans fan, this is the best Teen Titans has been in maybe like 10 years. So hopefully it stays on the up and up. Uh, anyway, onto the, the art of it. There is potential for really cool character moments or really cool action moments, I should say, uh, from, from this art. And the artist's name I'm forgetting. So grant me just a second to look up uh, his name as I flip to the back of the book. It is uh, Ko Pham. Uh, who's doing the art this week as opposed uh, to the artist of John Boy, or not John Boy Myers, boo, of uh, Dio, oh, I can't pronounce that name, Diogenes Neves, who did the art last issue. I'll be curious to see who's on art next issue. Uh, anyway, uh, the like the, the the action parts that are kind of few and far between in this book have a really nice feel to them. Uh, but when you get into the intimate character beats, it's really not mm -hmm. as strong. The faces especially vary from panel to panel, sometimes appearing really flat and small. Uh, but the physicality of the heroes is really good. Like the bodies are great. And I'm really curious to see this artist with more action heavy scenes i think they can look really great goliath also looks really great which i always appreciate uh, mm -hmm. i would say the art isn't bad it's entirely serviceable it's just inconsistent um and i think i think it could potentially be really good so the book overall in this issue especially this book overall it the book overall seems to be good uh this issue is a little more mediocre so i'm hoping that things continue on an upward trajectory going forward and i'm sure i will be talking about it here this, i'm sure you will this is normally uh, and part of the reason i didn't want to talk about like autumn lands uh is because i'd have to explain so much of what's going on to get to this point uh and, and <laughs> that's true next issue is a uh is a new arc so maybe i can talk a little bit about it there like so much happened in these last few issues that i would have to sit here and give so many beats uh, and Saga Goodness also came out, but that's issue 41. I don't want to ruin things for you there, Nick. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm definitely, I'll have to dig through my comics after the show, but I, I, I think I'm on issue 40. Okay. So you're only one behind. It's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, now, uh, to finish up this week, we're going to have ourselves a little bit of a discussion question. Discussion. It's over 9,000! Alright, so our question this week, we're at the beginning of a new year. So what what books are you looking forward to the most uh, in 2017, both continuing and new? So why don't we go ahead and start off with continuing. Nick, what book are you looking forward to? Well, I guess two books. Um... So, obviously, I already leaped lots of praise on Seven to Eternity, uh, and really, it's just getting started. So, 
come April, the book will will be continuing, and I'm very excited to see how the rest of the story plays out. But more, but I shouldn't say more than anything, but I am very excited for, with a little bit of an asterisk, the return of Copperhead by Jay Farber, and well, not Scott Godaleski. Um, crap, 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 crap. I have it up right here. There it is. Um, so I think we've already mentioned it on the show. Um, Copperhead was created by Jay Farber and um, Scott Godaleski. Um, after issue um, 10, the book just kind of vanished from shelves with the disclaimer that it's being worked on and we will solicit it when um, we have more issues in the can. That was over a year ago, I want to say, or beginning like about a year at the very least. Yeah. Um, so it's been a long time coming. I kind of need want to go back now and re- reread those first 10 issues because frankly, they just are so good. Um, but Copperhead is returning with Drew Moss on art. Hmm. Um, March 8th. It looks like hmm? March 8th is the return date. March 8th. So it's coming fast and furious. Um, and I, I think I had already looked up Drew Moss's art and I think he's got a similar style, but still distinct. Um, so, I mean, as long as he can carry on the, the level, the, the quality level that Scott Godaleski did, um, you know, I'm still excited for the overall story and the return of the characters. Of course, I am sad for Scott Godaleski to not be doing the interiors, though it looks mm-hmm. like he's still part of the creative team overall. He'll just be handling covers. Yeah. Um, so good to that. Um. Yeah, those are my continuing books. David, what are yours? Yeah, I had kind of forgotten that Copperhead was coming back this year. I'd kind of written that book off. So thank you for reminding me. I, I will be keeping an eye out for that. Uh, as far as continuing books for me, I'm definitely going to have to say one I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how it uh, continues out is Detective Comics. Not really a book I was uh, super into until Rebirth. And then I really, really enjoyed what they've been doing there, kind of, kind of giving the spotlight to to other Bat Family characters that have kind of fallen to the wayside, or you know, who are who have a very strong following but not enough to get their own ongoing, pretty much Batwoman, uh, and and just to have very, very strong uh, characters and very strong emotional beats in in a, you know, a twice monthly book is great and i'm hoping that they can continue on the trajectory that they are on uh i think i've used the word trajectory a lot in this episode uh so you're welcome people out there who are uh taking a shot every time i say that word this is the episode that finally has paid off for you in your insane very specific drinking game But yeah, uh, it's it's a good book. I like it. I want more of it. I hope that it stays strong throughout the new year. And uh, and now, what new books are we looking forward to? Nick, I know you were struggling with this question before the show, so I'll go ahead and lead us off. I'm good, actually. Oh, are you but good? I mean, feel free to continue on your train of thought. If right. you've got a, well, you're good. Then the book that I am super excited for for pretty much uh, no real reason aside from the premise is Justice League and the Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, I I am an unabashed fan of those two things. 
So the fact that they are combining in a miniseries, just it, it, they got me. It's coming. The first issue is coming out next week. Uh, it's oh, childhood me is so happy with this. <laughs> And and he's he's happy for adult me because I have the money to spend on comic books. Uh, I I really you I, did it, buddy. Yeah, I, I have so little knowledge of what this book is about. Uh, I'm just so excited for it, and I I really enjoyed. And I know it's not any of the same people, but just in the idea of crazy crossovers that work. Actually, a lot of comics crossovers people seem to really enjoy. But I, I super enjoyed Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which this feels very similarly up that alley. Mm-hmm. So really, what could go wrong? Absolutely nothing. That's correct. Thank you for participating in this part of the podcast. Nick, new books, what you got? And uh, don't forget, you also have the, fo- I, I guess, a quote-unquote follow-up, Batman and TMNT, which will feature the Batman animated series version of Batman teaming up with the TMNT version of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's going on right now. I have not been keeping up oh, with is that it? series. Yeah, it's a couple issues are out, yeah. Oh, I have uh, not been following. Um, for new books, I was kind of racking my brain. There's a couple current Marvel books that are out right now were, that I guess were, could have been lumped into the continuing, like the the new Star-Lord book, which has an issue out right now, which was really good. Um, there's probably some other stuff I could think of that my brain's just not able to do right now. Um, but DC's going to win out here because two books that immediately come to mind that I'm really interested in in the new year is Justice League of America, which should be coming at us, I want to say, next month. Oh, yeah. uh, it's being written by Steve Orlando, and I am so sorry. I forget who the artist is. Um, but even starting today, I believe, I think there was an Adam Rebirth special featuring Ryan Choi um, back on the stands today. And of course, the stuff that's going on in Justice League versus Suicide Squad, which I have not been reading, will also lead into it. Um, I'm not like 100% on the cast per se. Um, I mean, it's got Batman again, because Batman has to be everywhere, everywhere. But you've got Black Canary, you've got Lobo as an X Factor, um, you've got the revised um, Killer Frost, uh, who was reintroduced in Suicide Squad recently. Uh, yeah, reintroduce the Suicide Squad. Um, and, of course, Ryan Choi Adams is going to be a part of it, and I'm forgetting another character. Or oh, the Ray is going to be coming back as part of that book. But ultimately, because it's written by Steve Orlando, who is who is just... He's definitely one of my it writers right now. Of course, he's doing really great stuff on Midnighter and Apollo. Uh, he had the creator-owned uh, original graphic novel, Virgil, which is very good. Um, and some of his other DC work, like his previous Midnighter series, uh, and he's also working on Supergirl currently. He's just, he's a phenomenal writer. Um, he kind of has a, a way of boiling down the characters to what exactly what you need to know and then lets the action tell the story. Um, but without necessarily making it feel like the issue is all fluff. Um, so fantastic on that. And then uh, I'm not necessarily strong on the writers. Uh, Margaret, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I haven't read a lot by Margaret Bennett. Uh, I've heard mixed things with her, but sometimes I don't know if it's just sort of like people just kind of shitting on her for the sake of it or if it's really down to the quality of her writing. Um, but I also believe that she'll be uh, co-writing the book with James Tinney the fourth, who has also been hit or miss with me, but has been a hit on Detective Comics, which you recommended. 
Long story short, they will be co-writing Batwoman, Batwoman's new ongoing series in the new year. But it doesn't end there. And this is probably what makes me the most excited because it's so unexpected, is that Batwoman will be drawn by Steve Epping. Epting, Epping, Epping, whatever. Um, Steve Epting, uh, who you will know from, uh, well, he's been most recently doing the uh, image series Velvet with Ed Brubaker, his longtime collaborator, who you'll know from their run on Captain America, which introduced the Winter Soldier. Um, Overall, this is an artist that sort of refined his style to something that no one can really mimic or has yet to mimic so far. Um, He's just uniquely talented, an excellent storyteller, and, I mean, I always figured at some point, because most artists tend to go back and forth between, like, creator-owned and Marvel and DC, that he'd come back. I guess I assumed he would go back to Marvel for something. Um, but in this case, he's actually gone to DC and Batwoman of all books. Um, not to say that, that Batwoman's not deserving of his artistic talents. It was just unexpected. Um, so that has me really excited. I think they're going to be playing up that Batwoman because of her background in the military um, that she's going to have, that there's going to be a more international flair to it. So something to look forward to in the new year, uh, Justice League of America and Batwoman, if you like your superhero stuff. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Awesome. Look at you pulling out. You were you were struggling at the beginning of the show before we started recording. You didn't know what, what in the world you were going to talk about. But I found it. I found my way. I'm so I'm so damn proud of you. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but obviously, I think we're now at that point of the show where we're going to wrap some things up and do what we don't always do best, but certainly try to put our best foot forward. We are going to recommend something. Recommend. We're both going to recommend something, but we can't do that until David. You boys aren't nerds, are you? This is three of you trying to trying to pull power what? from me. Trying to trying to segue here. I just someday, David, you're going to die, and someone's got to take over the show. Probably soon. Did you hear about the uh, the the saga number forty one reprint that happened? Uh, I heard, yeah, like the there was like the mass, like the issue with the cover didn't get printed right. It got, so they had to pulp it and it got like issue it, it. Yeah, I I I went to my shop today, and they were like, "Oh, you're getting two versions of this one," and. Uh, but you only have to pay for it one time, and so I have like the weird off color. See, this is like this is something like I gotta hold on to. It's the only issue I've ever gotten that actually has a chance to be worth anything. Maybe um, yeah, because like that's the only way I feel like comics can be viable these days. We'll there can't see. be that many of them. There has to be a scarcity scarcity of it. Right, exactly. And with digital, like that kind of eliminates that whole thing. Anyway, that's kind of getting us away from some stuff. Why don't we get into our recommendations? Nick, looks like you have one laid out. So I do, I it. do. So because I rarely ever seem to explore new things these days, I found myself possessed to watch a movie I had purchased months before. Uh, it is an anime film called The Boy and the Beast by Mamoru um, Hosada, who you might know from another animated film called Summer Wars, as well Summer as The Girl Wars. Who Leapt Through Time. This is his most recent work, uh, and it is about the boy and the beast, and that's all I have to say. I recommend it. Watch it. Have fun. Good night. No. Um, uh, So basically, it's about a boy who loses his mother, spoilers, um, and is basically left without or runs away from home 
uh, and then finds himself trapped in this uh, alternate world, not alternate world, but I guess like a different spiritual dimension or something like that, where it's all like anthropomorphic animal people. Um, and he gets taken under the wing of a um, street ragamuffin um, named, named uh, Kumatetsu, which is bear something in Japanese. Um, he becomes his apprentice, and it basically goes about how, like, you know, it's kind of one of those sappy, like, you know, they need each other, they both teach each other, kind of learning lessons, things. Um, but ultimately, it gets a bit bigger than that um, as as the boy grows into a man uh, and kind of has to figure out his own way in the world. Um, so it's one of those movies where when I was watching it, I really didn't know much about it other than I liked the, the director uh previous work and just was like well i love the animation style so bare minimum there'll probably be some decent action scenes in this so i watched it and i'm like all right all right i'm liking this i'm enjoying this i'm enjoying this and then it kind of veers a, a bit in the story kind of like you were saying how sometimes you like it when a story seems like it's going in one direction and then it seems to go in a completely different direction mm-hmm. um this kind of does that but it's did it in enough of a way where like i wasn't expecting it so it caused me to um focus on it a bit more and just ultimately was a very enjoyable, um, sweet, maybe bittersweet, a film, uh, that I definitely recommend if you like animated or anime in general or anime or animated in general. Uh, I think you will really enjoy this movie. And of course it does have some excellent fight sequences in it. Um, so worth checking out the boy and the beast. Very cool. Uh, you know, I, just with with traveling and stuff, um, I ended up watching mostly MythBusters because that's what was on TV, and I mean that's just like comfort food uh, to a point. But as far as uh, stuff that I'm actually, I was actually taking in, I didn't really take in a whole lot recently. Uh, but something that we watched over on Geek Cinema Society that I really enjoyed, and I hadn't seen it in a couple years. Uh, was Howl's Moving Castle. You kind of reminded me with kind of talking about the anime there. Uh, If you are someone who is staunchly kind of anti-anime and, you know, you're hearing Nick's recommendation and you're like, oh, that, oh, no, can't do it. Uh, I would suggest Miyazaki films. Miyazaki films seem to be the ones that are able to still grab people and pull them in. Uh, This one is about a a young woman uh, who is cursed and so uh, going out to find someone to reverse the curse, uh, she gets mixed up with with this wizard Howl who lives in this strange moving castle. There you go, guys. There's the name. Uh, and gets involved in his life and in the people there. And they end up uh, forming some, some very strong bonds while this war is going on. Uh it's it's a real real good movie. Animation is absolutely beautiful. It's it's one of those movies where the animation and all the stuff going on. Every time you watch it, you kind of catch something else going on in the background, or some different stuff with the characters. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on there. The story has kind of some some weak points. Um, it's but it's Miyazaki's take on like a, a European or or more Western story. And I I think that they they converge uh, very well in their sensibilities uh, in this film. Uh, plus the the English voice cast uh, features some really really great actors. Uh, Billy Crystal's there. Um, 
uh, Christian Bale. How could I forget Christian Bale? Uh, there's also a young uh, Josh Hutcherson, uh, who you will probably know as PETA from The Hunger Games. Trying oh, to who's think... he playing that? He's uh, he's the young boy who is kind of like Howell's apprentice. Oh, right, right, right. That's Josh Hutcherson? Yeah. I know. I'll have to go it's back. And, I mean, obviously, it's his voice, which I wouldn't necessarily recognize, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that's you, still pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's great people all over this. Uh, you have Emily Mortimer, uh, Gene Simmons, Lauren Bacall, uh, Blythe Danner. You know, I, I just something for everybody is, uh, is in this film as far as characters go. Uh, but it's it's real good. It's 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 a real good story. And yeah, Howl's Moving Castle, guys, check it out and enjoy it. Check out all of Miyazaki's work while you're at it. But like, don't because I gotta I've gotta recommend other stuff in the future, and that's a really good pool to pull from. So just watch Howl's Moving Castle for now. We'll get to the other stuff later on. Yeah. I think that does it for this show, though. Nick, do you have anything else you want to add? <sighs> Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to us all. Of course, you can find more about the show over at HackyAckComics.com. You can submit your questions to us, stuff that you think we should talk about, because we're, we're doing more discussion questions, once one every few weeks. So we would love to have input from fans on that. You can send them to HackyAckComics at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Hekiak Comics. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and around the internet under the username of Dav Luz. That is D A V L U Z. And uh, you can find Nick uh, trying to keep that New Year's resolution of not dying going wherever Nick's can be found. Hey, you know what? It's the one New Year's resolution I've actually been able to, to fulfill every year since I was born. Well, maybe this will be the year you break the streak. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Until next time. Same heck yeah place. Same heck. No, no, no. That's not it at all. We don't do this show for two weeks and it all falls apart. Same heck yeah time. Same heck yeah channel. Until then. Goodbye. Ever.